Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there from Endless Events is the unaccountable Will Curran. Are we doing a little ASMR kind of thing going on? That no, that's just like I just yeah, thought yeah, it'd be the, cool to whisper. I never whisper on the show. I'm always super loud, you know. So <laughs> I think we could do it just really soft. Hello, everyone, and welcome everyone, to another edition. Our volume really, really loud. And yeah, and then and then, and then then we're gonna get loud, and then get really yeah. loud. <laughs> I like it. I like it. The editors are like, there is no consistency right. of volume in this episode. <laughs> That's that's when you look. You're just looking at the waveform, going, "What the heck happened on that?" <laughs> um, Loser voice. Yeah. So, uh, since uh, since we last chatted, Will, we had CES, the first virtual CES, um, and so as we've done in the past, uh, you know, Event Tech Podcast. If I remember correctly, I think it was our one first ep- first episode was, was talking about CES. CES. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we might yeah. as well continue the tradition of talking about it. And the answer is there wasn't much to it. So thanks everybody. It's been great. No. no. <laughs> and good night. Kill the music. I, I think there's actually plenty to talk about. Not only the fact that here we are, you know, is still pandemicking um, after all this time. Well, I remember CES the big the news last, last year. We were yeah. ta- like talking about it, and you know, like, will the, like all these shows were starting to cancel and stuff. But CES was like, nope, we're gonna still do our thing last year. And this was the first year it went all virtual too, which is obviously a story in itself. It, it was one of the last big shows to happen uh, before lockdown, and there were people who were verified to have been at CES that wound up having coronavirus. Uh, so it was it was kind of a bit of a miracle that it didn't wind up being more of a super spreader event than it was early on. Uh, to, to my knowledge, uh, it didn't really spread there. There were just people that had it while they were there. Um, yep, yep. And so it's it was fascinating to me. There's there, there are a lot of angles actually we can take on this thing, but I, the one I want to make sure that we get to, so I'll get it out at the beginning here, is um, what was interesting to me last year, as we're going into lockdowns and uh, people are talking about CP, CES having just come back from it. Uh, you know, it's one thing you know we it's one thing to listen to us right in the in event industry. I really try and pay attention to the folks that aren't in the event industry. What are they saying about events? And that's what I was really watching early on in the lockdown of the pandemic. Is what are the folks who aren't in events saying? You know, what are the folks that are, you know, just ordinary people? You know, what are they doing? What are they saying? And what was interesting to me is so much of the tech press at the time was like, "Good riddance! Thank goodness! I never want to go to another one of those again." Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't miss, I don't miss the, the, the achy feet. I don't miss, um, the, uh, the, you know, the, the coming home with, you know, feeling sick, you know, people always joked about the CES flu, um, uh, you know, coming home sick. And so when Microsoft very early on said, we're not doing any in-person events, uh, until June of 21, um, and people started seeing uh, the, the pretty good quality of, of online events that they were doing, you know, both Microsoft and later Apple, not too long after. Um, uh, the tech press folks were saying, good riddance. I never want to do that again. I never, you know, it's, it's, it's just such, you know, I fly halfway across the country. I'm mm-hmm. sick by the end of it. I'm exhausted by the end of it. Who wants to do that? Now, here we are a year later. And what's been fascinating to me is once again... To listen to the tech press and to listen to folks, mm, and so what are they saying? 
they did, you know, so they did it all online, entirely online, and we can get more into that later. But now, you know, the week after, I'm hearing, you know what I miss? I miss the people. I miss the, you know, you I know, miss I touching miss, the products. I miss touching and... the products. I miss feeling it. Um, there's literally an article uh, in uh, ZDNet. Uh, I want to get the title right and make sure I get the, the right one here. Um, it went to sleep, so I'm trying to wake it back up. It's called CES 2021. <laughs> this must have been written before uh, before it happened. CES 2021 will be all virtual, and I'm suddenly missing fatigue and confusion. <laughs> um, you know, for years, the annual ritual of being exhausted, strung out, confused, and frustrated has been the tenor of attending CES in Las Vegas. Can the virtual edition live up to that? <laughs> so the answer was no. And so uh, while while there were things that people liked about it um, because they didn't have to travel and they didn't get sick and they didn't feel exhausted, clearly people were feeling that it was missing something. And it's, it's the stuff that we in the industry talk about all the time. It's that in-person connection. It's that, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the meeting people in the hallway that you haven't mm -hmm. seen for a year. It's the networking that can happen when you get big brains in a room. It's, you know, the, like you said, you know, touching the product, feeling the product, you know, seeing it in person. How vivid is that television can't be expressed over, you know, over, uh, you know, uh, an online video chat. So you, you, there's just certain aspects, especially of a show like this, where we're talking about products and televisions and mm -hmm. audio that can't be brought across in an online event. So, you know, just I, I just wanted to say that, you know, if anything, that's good for us, right? I was a little bit, uh-oh, when I heard the tech press and things like that saying, good riddance, I never want to do that again. Yeah. This is the future of events, is doing it online where I don't have to travel. Um, and it's nice to hear that's, that, that people are already missing it. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing and part of it too is that CES is usually a prototype kind of show. I mean, like as much as we, it's a consumer electronic show, it's very much a chance to show off these you have very futuristic things. And sometimes, you know, that just doesn't get conveyed when you, oh, you show a video or something of it, you go, oh, man, is that is that just a 3D render of it or is that real? And, like, in reality, like, when, you know, this, you know, for example, even last year, the Segway S-Pod came out and people were like, I actually can get in this and give it a try. Like, I think it makes people just understand it a little bit more. Um, and I think that it definitely realized, I think, that um, – you know that yeah definitely that it there was something missing i think what was interesting too to watch was how the the brands worked with the Edit, like the the press and things like that to be able to ship them products and things like that like i remember i think lg did a partnership with linus tech tips which is like a big youtube tech youtuber and they're like oh they sent him a bunch of tvs and he did videos in his studio being like jokingly like coming from ces just kidding i'm still in my studio like lg sent us a bunch of these tvs for us to share like our thoughts on the this new you know nano led technology that we're working on and i thought that, that was pretty cool on it but it showed too i think a, 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 a parallel lesson is that you know people are still craving to have that physical touch so you got to figure out you know if you can't guilt deliver it to them in terms of them being at the event you got to ship them stuff you got to give them some hands-on you got to you know do all that coordinated effort as well but sometimes you know when there's only one of one prototype you can't really do that for some products too 
Yeah, and and you have to give them credit, right? They, they there was no way that this was going to happen in person or even hybrid, um, you know. So they had to do what they had to do. Um, so you know, I think what we can we can you know, there's a couple of different directions we can go into next. One, we can talk about the actual products uh, that were released, but you know, I'd also like to spend some time talking about the show. Uh, in and of itself, you know, we, we know some of how it was done, uh, who did it, um, those kinds of things. But I think it's it's important to to remember, uh, you know, that, that that there wasn't really another option. And so, you know, as we move back into uh, live events, in person events, um, trying to break myself of that habit, in person, not live, because something can be live and online. <laughs> um, Still slips in there every now and then. Uh, so in-person events, as we start to move back into in-person events, you know, how does that affect our online events? Are people still doing online events? And I think it really is going to be- depend on the event itself. So you know, in this type of event, man, that in-person obviously is such an important part of it. But you know, what I also heard, and again, listening to quote-unquote normal folks, uh, was uh, how much they liked a lot of the stuff that was done this year, you know, over the course of the last mm. 10 months. You know, a lot of praise for Microsoft's events, a lot of praise for Apple's events. Apple did more events than they normally do um, over the course of the year, which, of course, online gives you the ability to do um, because, you know, you're not having to gear up that whole in-person event, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, machinery uh, of getting everything going. And uh, so it winds up being something that you can do more often. And so that's going to be interesting to watch as we move forward uh, and move back to the live events is, okay, which ones are live? Which I keep calling it Netflixification of events that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, which ones do you want to watch in person? Uh, you know, which ones will you, do you want to go to the movie theater for? Uh, which one do you <laughs> wait till it comes out on Disney Plus? That's true. And I, I think it's a good point to bring up to the frequency is that like it felt like this year, too, that like there were so many tech events happening, like whereas opposed to, you know, you wait for CES, big announcements, lots and lots of announcements. Then you got months, didn't hear things. Then there was a couple little press events and then there'd be like, oh, this other big thing, uh, you know, coming along. But it wasn't like this where it felt like every single week I was reading articles about someone having some virtual announcement of some product or something like that or just a press release about um, some new product as well. So that, that was really interesting, too, is kind of like how this also created this independence, it felt like, from the event in a lot of ways versus like the dependence on needing to be there to, to announce it, too. Because so, and to be honest, like so I, I never logged into the platform itself as the event. Um, I was just watching, you know, recap videos kind of like what I normally do with CES. And um, I didn't, I think you mentioned that there was actually a platform that they held the whole thing on. I didn't even know that. I thought it was just like, <laughs> oh, hey, CES is going on. So therefore, all these companies are just releasing their YouTube videos. And I don't know, like, I had no idea what it was gone. And I actually be really curious. I'll have to like look into it and see if maybe we can come for like a guest for Matt Icons. Is to talk well, it was Microsoft. How they planned it. Yeah. 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 Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm wondering like yeah. how that whole thing, what kept someone from just being like, and we're announcing this new laptop. At CES, but really it wasn't at CES. To be fair, not much. I mean, and and I think you you kind of hit uh, one of the nails uh, on one of the heads, uh, which is that, uh, that we're seeing a decoupling. You know, so uh, products that would have normally been announced at CES um, uh, or potentially could have been announced, uh, you know, were done in their own events. So Samsung did their own you know, Galaxy 21 uh, event. Oh, um, yeah. So that makes sense. Totally separate, you know, but it was released around CES, you know. Yeah. So I just coupled it in with CES news. Exactly. But it wasn't. It was its own tech, its own thing. And um, as we're looking forward to, uh, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember if it's NAB or NAM. Uh, one of them has been delayed to the fall now. Uh, I think it's NAB. 
Uh, you, look, you look like maybe you're looking it up. Please yeah, try and Google correct. it real quick. Yeah. Um, and what I what they're talking about is that you know a lot of these manufacturers have had products in the pipeline, you know, for a while that are they're ready to release. And so pushing the event back isn't is, means that they're probably still going to release their products. I heard people talking about that literally this morning. Um, that folks are probably still going to release their products at the time the event would have been because they're on their own product cycles. And so pushing the event back doesn't make them, you know, want to push their product release back six months. Uh, so they know that's only going to further serve to decouple, uh, you know, these these uh, product events from these big shows. Uh, yeah, looks like NAB pushed back to to fall. Yeah, because I looked NAM, but didn't really find much information. But either way, yeah, I think it's NAM really is still point. happening. And I, if I remember right, uh, and that's more of a music and, yeah. uh, type show. If I remember right, that's they're doing hybrid. But. Probably. I mean, again, like sometimes Nam, it's about like you being able to hear the speakers and it's like, anyways, um, we go on forever and ever about the, that. We probably have talked about it before. Should we should we dive into maybe uh, 2020 looking back um, on it and then talk about maybe stuff we saw in 2021? Yeah, so so Nam uh, is uh, summer 2021. So that's mm. it says. Yeah, so that looking forward to historic did... reunions as we return to in-person events summer 2021. Um, and so that means that's probably NAB is the one that got pushed back. Um, yeah, so back, continuing back with CES, uh, the topic at hand, um, <laughs> some of the comments that I heard of what people didn't like, uh, interestingly enough, I think are things that you can't really blame the platform for. So um, one of the comments that was made uh, of what really drove people nuts is that every time you went to click on a vendor and, and go to their quote-unquote booth, um, you got a pop-up that says, do you accept the privacy policy, blah, 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 blah. And people are just like, I just want to, you know, I just want to say yes to it all. But the problem is, I think is it's GDPR, that they have to have that personal opt-in with each one of those companies. Like you can't just general, you know, a lot of what GDPR is um, based on my understanding and research is that it can't be these broad general terms and conditions. It has to be affirmative consent in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to these privacy policies and data uh, data usage, and so and that has to be done with the company who has that data. Yeah. So since yeah. each one of those vendors is going to be the one who gets your name and email address, you know, at the end of that conversation, you have to click mm -hmm. on that agreement positively. You know, it's a positive consent. You have to agree to it uh, every single time. And so a lot of folks were blaming the platform for that. Um, but I really don't. I don't know that there would be a better way to implement that because of the way that GDPR is written with that kind of affirmative consent. Oh, man, I could go down a GDPR rabbit hole, so I'll try not to <laughs> I know avoid it. But I know you've been well-trained yeah, in that. I've now been well, very well-trained in it, yeah. Uh, the thing um, that I think was interesting is that most of the time, you know, you would accept some sort of GDPR um, terms and conditions, policy, privacy policy for the event, and then usually what the, the kind of the general rule of thumb you'd want to have is that you're not going to just give the email list of everyone that went to your booth, but obviously CES, they were probably pressured by their exhibitors saying, we want the emails and the names of the people and how many times they visited, like who knows what data they were sharing. So that's why right. they need that. But reality is like, if you want to avoid that sort of thing, you would just say like, hey, we'll give you the list of the people who are there, but you got to use the platform to contact them and then get their more information. Because at that point, it's not three points of data. If you just give them first name, last name, it's not uh, three points of data then at that point. So you probably would be fine. Or do um, a later, a later sign up process that like once I visit your booth, oh, by the way, would you please sign up here? 
Yeah, I'm so more of a fan of that because, like, yeah. sometimes I just want to go to a booth. It's like it's like the idea of the guy who runs up to you and wants to scan your your badge as soon as you walk in. Um, <laughs> I think that's always yeah. annoying. But I also really love, like, I mean, we've had the done the click a review. Um, is like I also love the idea of vendors knowing who came by, but not necessarily again like just immediately sharing their information, but maybe saying yeah, like some sort of like opt in to get more information. But like I think what's interesting. And we probably can do a whole episode on this one. Is like the <laughs> the future of GDPR, and like I think just how data is getting done is like I feel like we took a lot of steps backwards. Like we were moving to this point where everyone's really protective of their data and things, and then now it's like oh, it's like it's free for all um, in terms of it. And everyone's just like yeah, let's get their email addresses and their names and stuff like that. I'm like oh my god, no, I just don't want your untargeted email anymore. <laughs> But yeah, that, and if I have to, if I have to click one more cookies up. pop up, uh, you, know, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I saw a really interesting. At least we solved um, that problem. The problem, the dangerous problem of cookies. <laughs> solved. Problem, problem with cookies. I saw a really interesting. This is not even related to CES, but I just thought it'd be interesting to share. I saw a really cool app that they're designing. That they're trying to make it so when someone you go to someone's site. It's a, it puts all the privacy policies all together because like, you know, when you're you're going in, you have your HubSpot cookies, your your Facebook ad cookies, things like that. But it will allow it to combine it all into one single privacy policy and allow users to choose which of the cookies they wanted a little bit better. It was really, really neat. Um, I'll have to find a little bit more information about it. I saw it on Product Hunt, but uh, definitely a, a future, future uh, problem I think that people are still trying to solve. <laughs> We'll get there someday. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 always about uh, incremental marches, and I've been more happy with GDPR than I thought I was going to when it first came out. It felt overreaching and pretty broad, but the way mm. that they kept it broad actually has allowed them to be less fussy about it in a lot of ways, uh, which yeah. could go either way, right? So when you keep things broad, it can either be overarching and and overly, uh, you know, overly enforced, yeah, or yeah. you can keep it broad and you can be more hands-off. And fortunately, it seems like it's been more towards the latter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was one of the fascinating things that I, I, I heard about from CES. Um, overall, I heard positive comments about the platform and, and how it worked. Um, but just the show itself, I mean, significant reduction in vendors um, uh, as far as the number of folks that are usually there. It's usually tens and tens of thousands of vendors. You know, it basically <laughs> about the takes hall over A, the Vegas. hall B, yeah. the hall C. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's A, B, C, D, you know, upstairs, downstairs at the Sands, you know, you know, the convention center. You know, basically it's all of Vegas that's not being taken up by the adult film. Oh, award. you know what's a really interesting thing I heard? Um, speaking of like it just being taking over everywhere is that most people don't realize this, but PCMA, CL – Convenient leaders was happening the same week as CES, and they were in Vegas, and they were like, "Oh, people were walking up to us like we were, oh, the, you're you're here for a convention? That's so incredible, you know." And but in reality, like if that had happened during CES, people would be like, "What's PCMACL?" Right? right? Like, <laughs> so I thought that was just a really fun fact that most people. Well, when and I they probably it, got so. a pretty good deal on, on the, yeah probably versus the like space. before they probably would have been like right. in way right. just, you're trying to buy a uh, booth space or you're trying to get. Uh, ballroom space during CES, <laughs> a million dollars. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but the, so because of the reduction in vendors and, again, the decoupling that we were just talking about, uh, it felt like it was a really iterative year. It was all of, okay, here's the next generation LG TV. Here's the next generation yeah. Lenovo laptop. Here's the next generation 
you know, rollable thing, you know, uh, you know, and a lot of the stuff that comes to, you know, appears at CES never comes to market. Like you said early on today, you know, it's, it's a lot of prototypes and, and fun to yeah. play with eye candy stuff. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, we can speculate that it, why, you know, the, that people didn't bring those because you can't really do that over a <laughs> uh, video chat, but there was some, you know, there was a, a flying car from Cadillac, which, okay, <laughs> even that, is iterative, right? We've had flying cars at this point for years and years and years, at least in prototype stage. Um, So overall, you know, I was pretty unimpressed with what I saw come out of CES. So setting the show aside, you know, there just wasn't, you know, it was like a $3,000 pet door, you know, smart pet door. Oh my God, that door was crazy. (laughs) You know, I I was like, wait, this already exists though, but in the form of a a pet door itself, why does it have to be the whole door? I just assumed you would have one already. Oh no. (laughs) I appreciate that. Well, you know what? I, I I just leave my door to my patio open during the winter the whole entire time. The cats can go out there whenever they want. I'm on the fifth floor, too. So, like, yeah, they they're not really going to jump. Where to go. If I lived on the first floor, maybe, but it seemed excessive for sure. But um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, especially for that it. price point. It seems like we could probably come up with something a little less expensive <laughs> little, than that. So, totally, totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I will agree with you. There was some stuff that very, felt very iterative. Um, you know, some of the stuff I was like, but wait, we've already seen this before. Yeah. Or like, what's so special about this? Like, you know, I, I definitely, I think maybe I can comment on some of the stuff that I liked, but it, it wasn't anything that was like, oh my gosh, this is going to change my life, you know, level stuff. You know, I think maybe like, I guess we can talk about probably one of the most interesting things is that, that I think what I was watching some video where they're like, yeah, I'm just really glad that people didn't like pandemic size everything, like turn everything about the pandemic. And, but Razor, the manufacturer of computers and light up keyboards and gaming accessories came out with a the world's smartest mask they call it project hazel who knows if it'll ever come through but it's like light up it's clear so you can see the person's mouth as an amplifier for their voice i was like that's pretty cool i might actually wear that you know um but it's probably not going to come to life <laughs> like razor said they would make a toaster that still hasn't happened <laughs> My understanding, and I'm trying to find some backup on that, uh, just because I don't want to, because I'm pretty sure that was the only smart mask that was released. But I remember hearing that one of them was already in production, because what we tend to forget in North America is that mask wearing was much more of a thing in Asia Pacific um, uh, than it has ever been here. And so that they, a lot of these things were already in production just for, uh, you know, kind of non-North American European audience. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if I remember right, this razor thing, uh, was actually already, you know, they didn't just rush this to market. It's something that they've been working on for at least a year. Oh, wow. That's nuts. Uh, it, I, the <laughs> it's only got LEDs in it. Yeah, and it's got LEDs in it. It's crying razor, out so loud. It's got, it is. It's got it a... <laughs> so that it's was clear, uh, that right? Was pr- it's clear in the mouth, right? Clear in the mouth, yeah, and then, yeah, then the they mouth. put the speakers on it so it can amplify your voice. And then, like, I think that it's gaming technology, so you can, like... Augment your voice, just, they say. It's just like it's something straight out of dystopic sci-fi. Of like, yeah, the for amplified sure, for voice sure. coming through the black mask. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you can't <laughs> talk. Citizen, oh, step aside. <laughs> it's like Half Life all over again. Right. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. But like, um, let's let, 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 kind of quick fire through this. I just have like an article to remind me of some things. Yeah. But, you know, there's some good laptop uh, iterations. But I, that was something interesting. Let's talk about that. Is maybe interesting for us is that a lot of uh, manufacturers of computers were pushing out tons of new la- up, up, 
laptop updates, especially focused on business because they realized all those desktop computers that are sitting in offices right now doing nothing, they're, they need to get rid of them and they need to send laptops to all their employees. And I saw a big focus, and this is what I think maybe, maybe this is going to be CES 2022, that they're trying to improve the webcam and microphone experiences on these. Like I think, uh, I think Asus or something like that came out with a technology that like blocks out all noises using the onboard microphone, which is awesome. Like I, I see stuff like that, and I see that really affecting the events industry because better webcams and better microphones means that that whole series we just did on presenter kits, you know, is less and less needed. Uh, and we can trust that the microphone will be okay and the webcam will be okay on the laptop. But uh, I thought that was really, really interesting as all the laptops that were coming out. and um, But nothing, again, nothing that made me say, I'm going to drop my Surface Pro X and I'm going to get that, which, like, if anyone's a long-time listener to this podcast knows, like, Will's about always buying a new laptop – I felt no need to buy a new laptop since I got the Pro X. Like, not because it's that good, but because I haven't seen anything that, like, makes me need to depart in any sort of way yet. So I think that's yeah. why CES feels like that to me in a lot of ways. There's nothing there that makes me feel the need to depart to what I'm doing already. And I think I think there's always been a fair amount of laptops being released every year, but they're usually overshadowed by, you know, the bizarre and the crazy and the weird stuff and the, the stuff in the corner and the, you know, oh, my God, there's a giant rolling television. You know, it, it rolls up <laughs> like a window shade, which has been there like the last two years. It was there again this year. Oh, but good news. It's on for sale now. It's a it's real It's on product. for sale now. Oh, and now it's, it's a only, phone. <laughs> it's only $86,000, but you can buy that rolling television in Korea. Uh, so oh, the, you know, the, the transparent TV, and I was like, yeah. I was like, wait, you guys know that we've had transparent TVs for a long period of time. Like, come on, <laughs> there was one at IMAX Frankfurt. It was, it was yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's two years ago now, because that was 2019, yeah, 2019 that you and I yeah, were in yeah. Frankfurt. So, uh, you know, that, that's two years ago that there was a clear uh, television that we saw. Yeah, I'm trying to look through here, too, uh, to, just to remind it. <laughs> so there was a fair amount of safety tech, you know, of, of kind yep. of COVID tech, a lot of uh, like uh, UV lights and sanitizers. There was a backpack. Oh, yeah, the robot that goes through backpack. your office and sanitizes and UV yep. lights everything. Yep. I think uh, that's going to continue to be a thing as people become more germ conscious and, and more aware of, uh, you know, not just, you know, pandemics, but just regular flu and sickness and things mm -hmm. like that. 8K was being pushed pretty hard by a lot of the television manufacturers. Well, TCL now has an 8K TV. So I don't and remember. Wasn't it like I, stupid my, cheap? Like, it was, like uh, Yeah, let's see here. Uh, six series, 8K. Let me see here. Let me look at this article. Shop now. This, yeah, where's the where's the buy button? Shut up and take my money. Let's see. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can find the prices on it. But I mean, you know, TCL, they're not gonna come out here with a thirty six thousand dollar TV. They're right. gonna come out with it's gonna be sub at least three thousand dollars, I think, because they I haven't seen them ever even come out with a TV. That's more on that end. But let me see here. Goes all here we go. PC Mag TCL goes all in eight K. Give me a price. Eighty five. Wait. Besides the new eight Ks, no, sorry. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's there's no way they're doing an AK TV for that cheap. But it was a, a 4K stunning TV. audio we're going on with here. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I don't think the prices oh, have both? come out on it. Maybe that's why I can't find it, and that's why I don't recall it at all. But um, I mean, good for TCL. They're dropping the prices of stuff. TCL makes great TVs for the price. Um, so that's really interesting to me too. But yeah, a lot well, of AK. And but TCL still has, a, has a look back at twenty at CES twenty twenty one. But it's it's a YouTube video, and they have I'm, they have stripped out the play controls. So all I can do is play. Like I just wanted to skip ahead and scan through it. <laughs> I think you can still hit arrow, right arrow, and it'll let you skip. Uh, yeah, probably. But literally, like, there's no, 
audio controls on this thing so it's loud as hell in my, in my headphones <laughs> it's funny because like i obviously it's not running through your speakers so i can't hear yeah it yeah yeah well so, while, while you're trying to figure out the audio controls i'll right. talk about I, AK, I, but like, i don't care I, anymore <laughs> <laughs> i think um when it comes to ak what's interesting to me though is the content's still not there though right like yeah. until netflix releases 8k on streaming it's not gonna it's not gonna happen i mean like just look at 4k streaming is now you know commonplace across all streaming networks and things like that but we still don't push for even our virtual events to go 4K. It's just it's too much for most people to be able to handle on laptops or you know the the stuff that goes into it. So you know, guys, 8K events industry is still far away. I think at this point. Yeah. Um, I got I got an interesting trend though that could probably apply to the events industry. Is this? Did you see the Alarm.com video doorbell? So this is so smart. They built a doorbell. That's like the Nest doorbell, the the ring, whatever the heck it is. But it uses a mat. So you, when you stand on it, that rings it. So you don't have to touch it. So I think this like contactless was a huge trend I saw across the uh, the whole thing. And it was funny. When that came out, everybody was like, well, well we can do that too. Like we can make our doorbells. Because what people realize is it's just motion detection. Right, or Well, right. in that case, it's pressure sensitive. But, you know, like you could set a ring doorbell to ring the actual doorbell when someone just walks up to it. So I think the idea of like contactless is going to be huge over this next year. Um and trying to figure out that sort of technology, contactless registration at events, you know, contactless door walking doors, right? People just don't want to touch things anymore. Yeah, so. and to be fair, this is the consumer electronics show. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily going to be stuff that impacts our world. But what I continue to enjoy, you know, I, I've seen this slow, steady march on display technology becoming thinner and more flexible. And you know, I really think, you know, within my career timeline we're going to see the end of traditional projection because you're just not going to need it. You're going to be able to make screens whatever size and shape you want using modular panels. You know, the, the LED walls are already ridiculously much better, so much better than they were even five years ago um, to the point where you can't see, you know, between the pixels anymore from any distance away. Combine that with how thin and flexible things like OLED panels uh, are getting for phones. So one of the other things, big things that they was that made some news this time was the, and you alluded to it, was the rollable phones that, that basically mm -hmm. it rolls out like an Egyptian scroll, um, <laughs> which is also not coming to market anytime soon. <laughs> but it is, what it does to me is it continues to show No, wait, that, I think they said, they said it. Oh yeah, just kidding. You're right. It's not coming. Keep yeah, going, that's, that's vapor. That'll, yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know, who wants, who wants two cylinders in their pockets so that they can go, let me check my tablet. <laughs> Full score yeah. seven years yes, exactly. ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go more, you know, uh, like uh, Moses and the mountain. Yeah, or something, yeah, but yeah. yeah it's, um, uh, not that kind of tablet, you fool. Um, so, but it it continues to show to me the their their you know these displays are getting thinner. They're getting more and more flexible. Obviously, to the point where they can roll them. Um, so we're just going to be able to just slap display on anything, you know. And mm -hmm. so you know you're still going to use projection for things like projection mapping buildings and stuff like that where there's going to be so many nooks and crannies but anything that's flat or roundy uh you know is going to be pretty easy to just put display onto and so i really do think you know within our career lives will we're, we're going to see oh, the sure. end of of traditional projection screens in our meetings and events. oh for sure well samsung's the wall 
I think it was before CES, I think, happened. They announced that you could finally it buy it. Even last year, uh, it well, was it, they they they, shown. they they yeah. they showed it, yeah. But the, everyone's like, "Well, we want this. This is so cool." And it was all about like <laughs> micro technology and these panels that you could kind of basically. It's more consumer facing with what we've been doing for LED screens and events for a long period of time. Um, but it was even more high fidelity pitch and things like that. Well, they I think it was either at CES or right before they announced, "Hey, you can buy this now." And I. Don't remember what the pricing was, but I remember I was having conversations with my buddy Brandon, who like I'm also super nerdy on tech stuff with. Basically, Brant and Brandon are like my enablers when it comes to technology <laughs> obsessions. Uh, but uh, he was like, "This sounds like something we could buy in the next couple of years, and that would be our next t like big TV kind of upgrade, right?" Um, so that I think that's what's really interesting too is yeah, as those technologies, modular televisions come together, um, it, it definitely prices are going to come down. And then this year was also really big about mini LEDs, like. Um, not necessarily OLED because OLED's got a lot of perks that those dark, deep blacks, things like that, right? Like you can go look, watch people talk about OLED versus mini LED all the time, but mini LEDs are cheaper, but almost give you that same level of darkness that an OLED does. And so I think that that's also, again, just going to increase quality of displays like you talked about. It's just going to keep getting better and better and better. But that means that we have to make sure the content matches up to that too right no more white slides with pictures on it but better like how do you take advantage of those deep dark blacks and things like that uh to be able to have that so roger um, that another um you know really cool technology is that ice cream dispenser didn't you see the ice cream dispenser no i'm just kidding um we're gonna move on past the ice cream dispenser that apparently everybody talked about even though i think it's crazy wait brad you got something though well it reminded me of one that that's a little more obscure and again more consumer oriented but might you know a lot of the initiatives that we're seeing within our industry at least leading up to and coming out of this as well has been you know more more sustainability more you know green meetings these kinds of things you know what can we do to reduce our waste and the recycling bot actually caught my eye. And so uh, the recycling, I don't remember the actual name of it, but basically it's a, it's meant to, you know, it's about the size of a mailbox, uh, you know, which, so not small, uh, you know, but you put it in your kitchen or garage or wherever. The lasso robot. And you throw in cans and bottles and paper and it, it, it sorts it, it grinds it, it chews it up and it spits it out into its proper buckets. And then, you know, the big problem what? that they're talking about is, um, you know, a lot of municipalities and such, uh, you know, aren't actually recycling. They're just taking, you know, you throw it out on the curb. They take and the, the recycling, they put it in the trash. And they, they put it in the trash. Yep. yep. And, and so, you know, because these programs are really hard to maintain and they're expensive and they just, you know, they run out of money and so they just start throwing it in the trash. And it's, wow. um, and also, that's also been, uh, my understanding is that's been accelerated because China has stopped taking the world's trash. Um, they said, you know, we're kind of done with that. Thank you. Um, and uh, so that was where a lot of, our recycling and computer electronics and stuff was being shipped. And so, yeah, this idea is fascinating to me. And so the guarantee that they'll come and pick it up, you know, and it will be recycled. It will not be just dumped in the trash. It will actually be recycled. Yeah. Lasso robot. Lasso um, robot. Yeah. And it says that they plan uh, for you to start, they'll start shipping them in September, 2022. Um, pickup service in San Francisco, obviously, right, and expand to the U.S. U.S. And it looks like this this auto sorting robot will cost you thirty five hundred bucks. That's not actually not a crazy price, I think, for a, a household appliance that you would fix in. And we know Samsung, every a major appliance, they're gonna steal this idea. Yeah, and that'll drive competition price down, but. Well, wow, where it sends, so cool. Where it sends my mind is that this. How, how great would this be for facilities? 
Oh you my know? gosh! So yeah. you know, they just can pick have a version and put door. it in the middle of a ballroom. Yeah. Yeah, so you get one on you know one on each side of the door, one for trash, one for everything else, and you know, and you just throw everything else in there, and you just and you know that it's going to be ground up and saved and you know recycled in a way that's responsible. So I think it's a pretty cool idea. It's it's one of those things that's like yeah. it sounds so simple, it's not terribly expensive. So why hasn't anybody thought of this before? <laughs> well, and and you get some bonus ES points. I didn't even he- hear about this at all. So that is so cool. I was like, what? Recycling robot? I thought you were talking about the handy robot that Samsung made that like, oh, it can do your chores for you. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. But I was like, that's vaporware, though, too. But, you know, the, this lasso thing sounds legit. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely a huge trend for sure. That's awesome. Wow. Um Man, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I got any other ones of stuff to to put in with it. Again, like this year was just kind of meh for me. It was just yeah, like, ah. you know, there's some cool stuff, but like nothing not really matters. Like, hey guys, like robots that, like Samsung announced a floor cleaning robot that uses lidar. Okay, great. Like we already have floor cleaning robots, right? Um, I well, here we go. Here's something that might be relevant: is that Samsung put this smart trainer thing into all these TVs, right? Where you can, it has a camera on it and it can like help you do the exercises better and things like that. Like, I just see this huge push too that like, yeah, like people realize that more people are gonna be spending more time at home. So how can we create these experiences they would normally leave their home to go to and bring them in um, through things like the smart trainer, I think is really, really interesting um, along here too, so. Um, Sweet, well, yeah, I think that does it for like all the stuff that I saw. Yeah, I mean, and so I think, you know, best place to kind of wrap it up is to is to wind down and talk a little bit more about the future of these types of shows. You know, some of the things we already alluded to, I think, are worth, you know, mentioning again um, that, uh, you know, as as these as we start to come back to our in-person events, really, really spending the time on the planning side to to think about does this need to be in person? Can it be remote? What would our audience prepare? You know, and from day one in in all of this, I've been screaming to anybody who'll listen, uh, you know, that we need to go back to our goals and objectives, go back to the why of our event, um, whether you're in person, online. I mean, you know, the number of times on our in-person events that if you asked someone, why are you doing this event? They probably would stare blankly at you. And the answer would be, you know, well, because we do it every year. No, but why are you doing this event? You know, you know, it's and so I'm I my kind of hope, silver lining hope, uh, you know, as we, you know, obviously been just a terrible year for our industry as a whole. Um, but obviously there's been a lot of advancement in the online capabilities, a lot of advancement in the technology, um, uh, you know, that we can start to incorporate more of that in our events so that we can accommodate people and we can get people who can't normally come to our event the ability to come in in a hybrid, you know, uh, aspect or, uh, you know, have more events like we were talking about with Apple where people mm-hmm. can, you know, we can do more things um, that just some of them are online and some of them are in person and really starting to parse out what makes the most sense for your event. You know, don't just assume that it's in person, that in person is the way forward uh, just because that's the way you were doing it in 2019 and before. Um, you know, using this as an opportunity to really think through um, the why of your event, taking the lessons from a CES and you know, using that as a, you know, as a guiding star as we start to come back um, as, uh, you know, should we, you know, or maybe we do six online events as a way of driving traffic 
to our in-person event that still takes place once a year. So really taking it as an opportunity to explore the possibilities, explore the options, go back to the goals and objectives, go back to the why, and really, you know, reevaluate uh, ourselves as we come back, as opposed to just going back to the same thing we were doing before. Preach. <laughs> I love it. That was I, a little soapboxy, wasn't it? No, it was great. <laughs> I think I think so. It's, we always got to remind people, as much as we want to talk about all the super sexy tech and what's yeah. going to come, yeah, it's ultimately about how we're going to how we're gonna do that tech because I think that's one reason why too is that you know we look at shows like CES we see all the stuff come out and we say yeah that's cool but why you know and I think that's what ultimately the products that everyone remembers and uses are the ones that ultimately have a big why behind them rather than just the just tech to do tech's sake too so all right well Amen. Uh, should we we kick this one home shall we t send it back to Vegas to another year and hopefully um in the future years we'll be back in person at ces in the future um but uh definitely looking forward to more technology coming throughout the rest of the year yeah i keep saying you know uh, we've advanced more in these last 10 months than we did in the previous 10 years so it's going to be uh you know when we do get back to uh, uh quote unquote full strength in the industry it's going to look very different uh than it, than it did before and i think in in a lot of aspects i think it'll be better Nice. I have something that might open up a can of worms of conversation, maybe for a whole other episode. But well, that's dangerous to do as we're saying our goodbyes. As we're starting to wrap up, but right, I was going to say that I feel like this next year, though, like like last year was such a big innovative year, right? We pushed. They say like, yeah, like five years of innovation in ten months is stuff you hear all the time. I feel like this year it's not going to be that again. I feel like this year it's going to be more like what we felt at CES this year. It's iterative, nothing crazy exciting, but more so like focusing on perfecting but maybe that might be a full other episode potentially we might want for to save that because i've got thoughts all right all right well we'd like to <laughs> tease our audience for future episodes so we'll write that one down into the show log so we come back to it soon um, but we'd love to hear from you shoot us an email event tech podcast at helloendless.com we'd love to hear what sort of tech that you saw or tech that you see coming down the pipeline that you're really excited about even if it's not ces or something you saw Send us an email. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you and know what you're excited about because Brian and I get excited about a lot of different things. But in the meantime, we'll see you guys all next time on the Event Tech Podcast. Event Tech Podcast. Out. Out. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.